This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Everyone, welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. As we preview uh, the Merseyside derby and uh, new manager Sean Dyche's first trip across Stanley Park, coming on the, the back of uh, Everton's first win since October 22nd uh, against Arsenal, Premier League leaders last weekend. I'm your host, Chris Beasley. Joined by the Echoes, uh, Epson correspondent Joe Thomas and our regular guest Gavin Buckland. Uh, Joe, yourself and myself have just come back from Finch Farm um, where Sean Dice has been holding his um, pre-match uh, press conference. Uh, lots of interesting um, things to discuss um, from there. But I suppose let's start with uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's fitness. It's not a surprise, but and it is a concern that he, he's a, a major doubt for the, the game. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? I think... Um... This is possibly going to be the issue that defines the rest of Everton's season. Now we're, we're out of the transfer window. We know that Sean Dyche wants to focus on the squad that he's got in his availability. I mean, I know some people are suggesting they might look at the free transfer market. They might keep an eye on that. But the minute I think Sean Dyche is focused solely on, on what's at Finch Farm, the players he's got there. So whether or not Dominic Calvert-Lewin is fit, how fit, whether he's gets a run of fitness and he can find form or not is going to be crucial to Everton's hopes of, of remaining competitive this season. That's obviously the position that they've left themselves in, having had such a shambolic transfer window. Unfortunately, they're very, very vulnerable to Dominic Calvert-Lewin's fitness and there have been a lot of concerns over that over the past 18 months. That We saw against Arsenal what he can do when he's fit or close to fully fit. You know, we know he carried a hamstring injury into the game club were comfortable he could last an hour he did last an hour and he caused problems he fought for the ball on the halfway line he, he distracted the Arsenal centre-backs he got into some good positions and you know came very close to scoring twice nearly got on the end of Anana's crop ball across the face of the goal got on the end of, of Coleman's cross and headed it from the near post across the far post and probably should have done better and I think we all sat there and we all looked and we thought right okay well if this is how they're going to play on the Daesh and if we've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin playing in this manner, then we can all see a route to, to goals. And with goals come points, and with points come survival. If you take that out of the equation, all of a sudden things are very difficult. It looks like you know, we've known since the Arsenal game that it was going to be hit or miss for this week. But obviously the question that we're going to ask is, we've got to ask ourselves is, is where is this going to go going forward? Because for the next two or three weeks it's okay you know there's a week between each game so it might be able to manage it but whilst well, I say it obviously it's going to go Monday into Saturday in relation to the to Derby and then Leeds which is obviously a huge game you know at the end of the month beginning of the March we've now got the Arsenal game thrown in as a midweek so there, there'll be a, you know, a, another run of fixtures there the reality is Emma has struggled to score goals all season that's even when Dominic Alvaluin has been yeah. somewhere in front of match fitness if they don't have him, then a lot all of a sudden rests on Neil Lope, who, you know, has ability. Can Leo, we, we know he's, he scored goals in the past, but it's a completely different style of play if they want to uh, play to him. Or, of course, left with Ellis Sims, who was brought back from Sunderland alone and hasn't really had a sniff since then, but essentially is the closest Ellen have got to somebody at the profile of Dominic Albert Lewin, even though, again, he's a, a different type of player. So it's a real concern. Yeah. Uh, Gav, we'll come on to how Everton might combat that in this particular fixture as, as we move along. But just after you've heard what Joe's had to, to say there, Dominic Campbell-Lewin and 
Evan, against it comes back to the lack of reinforcements in January. And it, it, it is a big concern, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm more concerned about not not so much Monday to the long term. Yeah. Implications, as Joe was alluded to there. It's, it's been going on 18 months, Joe, probably even longer than that, isn't it? Maybe even two years. And, it, and it's, it's at an age now where it's not something that he's young enough where they can grow out of it. We get some players in their same early 20s who suffer a few injuries because they're still growing. He's, he should be at his physical peak yeah. or getting close to it. But he's rather than approaching his physical peak, he's moving away from it. And I do wonder when he gets to that age whether he'll ever get it back. Um, and it's it's a long term issue that that is my primary concern. And also on Monday, as Joe said, I mean it was just and I'm not not the biggest Calvin Lewin fan, as you well know. I think he's limited. But what I would say. You could see, you know, the one thing in the first half, I think we created four chances and they were all from wide, wide areas, weren't they? And the thing is with Carver Lewin there, because he's good in the air, the, the best, he, he can see up other players, can't it? The corner got three, didn't he, in the first first half last week with Dunmar? Because other players are busy watching Carver Lewin. So, um, there's, 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 that's definitely true. I'm not sure whether about Van Dyke's fitness either uh, for Monday, but. Yeah, so it is the longer term one definitely is the big thing. But Monday as well, you saw what what it, he adds an extra dimension to us when he's playing up top and gives us a little bit more penetration. That I mean, it suited us on Saturday maybe to bring Mope on for the last twenty minutes to just basically nuisance value. But could we do that for ninety minutes on Saturday on on Monday? Seems a big ask that to me, and it just shows you. And we all know the reasons why, um, but our lack of lack of reinforcements in the the summer and, and January transfer windows is going to hamper us. I think. Joe, saying that, then we've discussed the options. I mean, how do you think um, Sean Dyche will, will go then if Calvert Lewin it, it isn't fit, and is it what you would do particularly? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, we, we've only seen 90 minutes of, of Dyche Everton, yeah. and he surprised us then with, yeah. for the 4 5 1, which is a formation that Lampard hadn't used at all. It looked like the formation, bearing in mind the performance it got out of those players, that may well produce the best. Uh, but crucial to that is having, if you're going to, if, if your threat is going to come from footballs into the box, you need someone that can challenge for them in the box. And Neil Mopay isn't. That guy is not going to occupy two six foot three centre backs. Yeah, with, with balls coming in, in, in into the box. Um, Ellis Sims might. I, I think his profile fits. If, if Dyche wants to go four five one, then then maybe Sims is a, a better fit initially than than Lope. But of course, Lope's got a lot more experience. You know, at Premier League level goals. He's got many more goals under his belt. So it's a difficult one where you try to. Almost its profile versus experience on that front, or do you just completely change it? And if you're completely change it, what might you do? Could you go four four two? You could maybe play Sims and more more Bay together if he did that. He could put Damari, bring Damari Gray to the side and have him play off Lope. But then it becomes again, it becomes a, a very difficult side. They're a very different side. I imagine that would be more of a counter attacking side then, and 
if we're playing to, up, up to Damari Gray and, and, and Neil Mope. And, and I think that something that Everton will need to do on Monday, something that they did very, very well on Saturday night, is be very compact and keep things tight in the middle of the pitch. So I don't know the Dyke so early in his tenure and with every game matters, matters so much and having had that performance with that formation against the main leaders in Arsenal, I don't know if he'd want to sacrifice a player from the middle of the pitch in order to try and compensate for potentially losing Galtlou at the top of it. So I don't know how he would sound, honestly. Um, I think there'd be a temptation for myself to maybe do what he did against Arsenal and play Sims. And that might sound a bit daft because Mope is vastly more experienced than him. But obviously it took him a week last week and he was able to get a tune out and despite training with a new system in a short period of time. So he could probably do that again and change things again. But I think consistency is key. And, you know, I, I think that that might be the easiest option to try and, you know, adapt to going into the derby if, obviously it's an, it's an if, Dominic Cowley isn't the fit. But what seems clear is that he's not going to be 100% fit. And then obviously we then have the implications of what that's going to mean going forward because another reason why I'd have the I'd consider starting Sims over Mope if, if there was no DCL is this as well, I think. Because of what happened in the transfer window, it is increasingly clear that Sims is going to have to play some kind of role this season. Whether that be a sub that's coming off the bench or not, or, you know, might not necessarily be as a starter or first team player, but he's, I don't see a scenario in which Dominic Cavalier gets back to fitness, say for for Leeds the following week, and then stays fit for the rest of the season as I'm upset for every game. They're going to need to rotate up top. They're going to need him to fill in at times, and he's going to have to chip in with goals and to stay up. So therefore, obviously, it's throwing a bit of the deep end in the Merseyside derby, but he needs minutes. He needs experience, and. You know, as a result, if we're going to have to use him, then we may as well start using him now in the hope that, okay, he might struggle on Saturday. Oh, sorry, on Monday. But if after Monday, that gives him the confidence and the experience to then do better against Leeds or better against Miller and that's a game, then maybe it's, 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 a, it's a position that's worth doing. Gav, it's certainly a conundrum, as Joe points out there. You've either got the more experienced... Mopey or, or, or the rookie Nellis Sims who's perhaps more of a like-for-like for, like for Calvert Lewin. But I suppose over the years have been unlikely um, Derby heroes and Danny Cadamati was probably even less experienced than Sims or certainly younger when, when he obviously terrorised Liverpool all those years ago. But it is, it, it's a big call, isn't it? What, whatever happens for Daichi if Calvert Lewin isn't ready. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I know you mentioned Sims, didn't you? I think at his press conference specifically, didn't he? As... You spoke about Mope and Sims, but not sure about Sims, to be honest with you, his experience and his quality. It's hard to play Mope. For all his limitations, you know what you're going to going to get. I'll be, we do have to sort of change our style a little bit. Do you like the idea of Gray being involved, though, at some point? Um, I think you just I think he, he's the type of player with a bit more space. Uh, he can be quite, quite effective and the one thing you know, they know about Tamara Gray, because against the better teams, you do get a bit more space. Just I think he, he does seem to play better in those type of matches, doesn't he? I think if you have a look at his last few goals, have they all been like Liverpool, Man United, you know, big, 
bigger team. So yeah, he scored the penalty against Brighton. He scored the obviously the worldy for the points against Man City. He's got yeah. a combination against Bournemouth in in the in, in the league. Yeah. He scored against Liverpool last year, didn't he? And he played really well at Old Trafford. Um, in the in the in the FA Cup. I mean, there is an option to play Gray as a striker, perhaps uh, as a number nine, and let his pace cause Liverpool the problem. So that's an option, but I'd, I'd leave Sims. I'm not. I'm not certain about Ellison. To be fair, I, I think if if he was if he's going to be an Everton player, he would have been an Everton player by now. I think yeah, that's that disagree. Okay, but again, this is the problem that we've got. You're like you're hundred percent right. He hasn't got the experience to come in and and bust that vaping and do the job. But probably, you know, this this the fact that we're having this conversation just shows how how poor the transfer window was, doesn't it? I think. Well, yeah. I mean, we know that. My my view, and I mean, if you listen to the puffy when I've been on for several years, is that I think if you're not made at it as a, an established Premier League player at nineteen twenty. In and out that time, then it's really difficult for you to be an established Premier League player, and and I think I don't how old Sims now is he? What twenty two is he? Uh, twenty two, I think. Yeah, I think if yeah, you're there, yeah, that he's he's he, he got to that point at the start of the season where you're thinking this is um someone that's probably going to go on a loan and then perhaps leave the club as opposed to someone that they they they're tipping for a really bright future. Yeah, yeah, and we've we've recalled them for obvious reasons. I don't, I just think that Liverpool away is not 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 the game I would love to play him. I'd rather play Mopai, but I do like the idea of maybe Gray. I mean, would you would you do something with an honour? Ask him to play a slightly different role if you're playing Mopai. Well, it's something it's something that was asked today, um, Gab. It was in the in the um, embargo section. I so we're coming up right too far. The question yeah, was just, just, uh, that, that's the first yeah, time. Great minds think I like this, and yeah. um, that maybe we could do something with an honors role if Mopay plays. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think we know what that's going to be. You know, in the sort of like Fellaini type role. Where you're not a midfielder, you're not a striker, you're just sort of making a nuisance of yourself in and around the opposition box. And and I think I think Anana could uh, could do that with Mo, if Mopay was the striker. So there are options, not ideal, but there are there are options. Um, but it's just been interesting to see what what happens. I'd be interested to see what Bay says about Sadara as well. He was obviously excellent last Saturday. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, Joe, it's, it's been a, another week up finish for, for the manager. And it was interesting, I thought, you mentioned about this uh, behind closed doors game. You know, he's having to come in mid-season now, assess the situation very, very quickly. So he's obviously wanting to see players in game situation. Yeah, he is. I, I, I don't think there's anything particularly unusual in, in, in that, but... You know, I think obviously what he needs to do is, and there are a lot of fringe players at Everton. There are a lot. You know, we we saw that Lampard had a favoured 11, 12, 13 and really stuck with using them. And as a result of that, you know, he could do a lot of research each on the season so far, and still not have a clue what Mace Holgate's up to, and you know, still don't really have much of a back catalogue to go through for Decore. He obviously brought him straight in. 
and you know a few other players. So you know, I think that that is something that you know that we know that's something that he's done. I think recently, I'm not sure if this is the game he's referring to. I think he had a behind closed doors game. He had Stockport recently. You know, so just to kind of have a little look at some of the players that he might not have seen in a match day scenario yet and might not see in a match day scenario going forward. I think in one of those um, pre-season friendlies, he, he, he played Mason Holgate. I think he played him in midfield to see how he looked there. So, you know, he's clearly, Deitch is clearly there trying to learn as much as he possibly can about these players in as short a period of time as he can. I think we could take some encouragement from that as well. The fact that a lot of the time that he's spending at the moment, he's spending at Finch Farm. It's not the, it's not the, not that it should necessarily be a bad thing, but it's not that he's going home each night and then watching videos. But he's trying to see people in real life situations, such as behind closed doors games, such as the bleep test, such as how they're performing on the grass at Finch Farm, and 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 in terms of other aspects of of, of training as well. You know, it's clear that he beyond all the days in which is such an important part of the game at the moment, and probably forever will be now, he clearly still places a lot of faith in what he sees with his own eyes and the feel that him and his coaches get from seeing players in almost like real-life scenarios. And that's what these behind-closed-doors games will be doing. You know, if I drop a midfield, if I lose a midfielder or change formation, what if Mason Holgate goes there? Can he do a job there? I don't know. You know, has been tried there in the past at, at, at times. You know, so I think that's... Um, you know, I think we can take some positivity from that. Like it's clear that for all the stuff that's going on around the club, in in Sean Dyche, Everton have got a manager that is more than I think it's his natural setting to do absolutely everything he can to learn as much about the club and the players and the staff that and there as quickly as possible because he knows that the more information he has, the better prepared he will be to try and keep up to that. And Gav, you've mentioned Abadu and already. I mean. Like a lot of us, you're a big fan of him from the start, and with possibly a big question marks over over the centre forward, looking for match potential match winners in there. He's coming into this fixture across the park on the back of arguably his, his best performance in the Royal Blue Jersey so far. So, gotta hope wherever he is on the deployed on that on that pitch, he's going to have a big influence on proceedings. Well, there's there's a legitimate argument to say that he's the best player on Mays' side at the moment, isn't he, Anana? Yeah, yeah, like that. Four, yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, and and we know Liverpool's weaknesses in in, in the middle. Um, the one and the one the one thing, I'm, I'm a bit like Arsenal last week. The one thing they haven't got in the middle is legs, isn't it? And 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 pace, and, and a little bit of power, and and there was no well last week that Arsenal lacked lacked that, and Liverpool. That's obviously Liverpool's weak. Weak area and has been for a while, and it's a big game for him. And the thing about Anana is, you know, he's not going to that lack the, the big match temperament, do you? Really, he's not one of these who I think will will shy away from uh, or be scared of influencing the influencing the game. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing him seeing him play on on Monday. I think he'll come off the bit more confidence even after that display against Arsenal last week. And as I say, he's potentially the best the match winner. Not necessarily scoring a couple of goals, but in terms of influence in the game, isn't he? And 
I think he will he, he will be a key figure for us. I think if Anana plays well, we'll play well. And I think if you I don't want to prejudge predictions, but um he, he he's he's coming and becoming a key player, isn't he? He's becoming the key player for us. And uh, I'm just wondering that little thing about him saying I'd rather stay and fight here to the end of the season. The source of giving him a little you know, that's really he's putting pressure on himself there, isn't he, to do well. Yeah, so absolutely. Big game, big big game player though. Joe, um, I suppose we we're talking about we're, we're bigging them up now. I'm doing on but so so he should be. He's you know a tie that Everton have not necessarily got a lot of money to spend. He's the, by far the biggest signing of the summer. Huge reputation. He went to the World Cup uh, with Belgium. This this is what Everton were expecting, and I suppose you can say a bit bit overdue it at times because I mean like a lot of his teammates who's it's been a struggle the first half of the season. Yeah, I think I think Anana is one of the players that comes out of this season. As a whole, with credit so far, to be honest, I think he was good on the Lampard. I think where he had issues on the Lampard, probably twofold. On, on the one hand, there's the issue of him being new to the Premier League. It's obviously it's different to the styles and the pressure he's played on previously. It'd be a lot faster. He, you know, he has to be a lot cleverer with with, with how he with how he plays. Obviously, that's why Sean Dyche is trying to link up with Stephen DeForce to, to, to give him some advice in in that respect. You know, so I mean, I think that was obviously. One element of why he might have had a slight slower side. The other one was, it was, I think it was clear towards the back end of the first part of the season. Then that last week, it's Leicester and Bournemouth in the league games. That, and to be fair, Lampard admitted this to me when I spoke to him out in Australia. Following that, he has a little bit of a kind of a confusion or debate as to how best to use him. We saw him play further forward in those games. Unfortunately, what happened in both games, you know, blind and the obvious to us as we watched it, you know, once Evans press was beaten, all of a sudden there's a gaping hole in the middle of the pitch, and, and that's it. I think once he started playing in deeper again, I think we saw the midfield shore up a little bit, and I think that's kind of, and obviously, you know, Gab's alluded to the idea of him perhaps moving further forward. I think he's most effective if he's sat deeper. I think, you know, when you look at some of the issues that Liverpool have at the minute, it's probably in that three man midfield. If you've got someone as powerful and as dynamic as, as Amadou Inada is, but the confidence he's playing with at the minute, we saw some of his his tricks and his flicks and the way he could shimmy bikes up a little bit of time. I think if if it, it, there's a danger if you push him up, that it becomes a game where he has a peripheral figure in because there's a lot of the game played in Everton's half. I think if you have him in a deeper role, I think it gives Decore and Inada and Adrissigay some security around them. I think it gives the centre-back some security in front of them. I think it also gives him the opportunity to almost potentially dictate the game so he play a more dynamic role where he can be involved in the middle of things, control them, win things, and be a real presence in that set of midfield. And that presence is something that Liverpool lack at the minute. And I think Gab is absolutely spot on when he says that Onana could be a match winner. When you look at where the difference could be, when you look at how Everton are going to if they're going to get something out of this game, how they're best going to do it. You do look at that and you think some of the Nardis performances, including the derby early this season, including all the games last game, so for, yeah, big game players stepping up for, for for the important matches. Well, if he can if he can get out there at Anfield on 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 Monday when Merseyside Dardis can be one of the biggest games of his career, I think there's a game. I think there's a midfield battle that he could dominate there, especially given current form of the Liverpool midfield. And given his own form, I think there's a midfield that he can dominate that 
I think that he could be crucial and lay the foundation for a positive result for, for Everton. Yeah, I think there's always a tendency that Liverpool, it might not be the case now, they know that Dominic Alva-Lewin such a, a clear doubt, but there's always a danger that for Liverpool to fall into a trap of thinking, and the Lord Faraday here is dealing the balls into the box, you know, from McNeil, from the Wobie, whatever, looking for, for Calvert Lewin. Obviously, that is going to be an issue for to deal with. But I think really what held Everton is if they spend too much time focusing on that and leave the midfield battle for Anana to dominate. And I think that will be Evans' best way forward in this game. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, can you see this one being one all lost in the centre of the park and what goes on there? Yeah, well, like most games, you won in the centre of the park, aren't you, really? Uh, that's why Liverpool have struggled, haven't they? Because they lost that control. Yeah, I get you what Joe's saying. and I think, on the one hand, Danana will be, I think, a, a valuable attacking asset if both great players. But at the same time, to... to He's, he's probably the best player in the area at the moment because of his midfield performances and, and the role that suits him. So I think uh, that's where you probably want to... Sean will probably want to... Sean, don't even know. Do I? Dice will probably... <laughs> Very personable like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel as if I know. Uh, Dice will probably play it. And he could, dom- he could dominate the game. And, and I think... I think... If he plays well, we play well, and I, I think I, you, you, if you play in the midfield, we do lose in the role you're talking about, Joe. Is yeah, you know, but then we lose something up top, then don't we? He doesn't play better up the pitch, and it's a balance. And I, I think what I'd still like to see is like if he plays in midfield in a in a traditional midfield, so still have opportunities to get into the opposition box. And being nuisance there because I think he, he's, he's underutilized in that aspect of his play. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. I think I think the other thing is with Dice is I think one of the weaknesses of Nana is is tracking back, isn't it? I mean, he conceded a couple of goals this season because he's he's being a bit bit slow when the opposition have um, counter attacked, and I I think under Dice I can't see that happening somehow. And I think he'd be somebody who would react well to uh, the new manager. I suspect Dice will look at his game and say, right, that's what area you need to improve. Is 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 your uh, when you know midfield's all about sensing danger, isn't it? And I don't think he senses danger enough. And I think um I think that will improve under Dice certainly. But yeah, he's a he's a big fella. Yeah, big game, big game player as a sign, and I, I think he can he already has the potential to dominate the game in the in that area of the pitch that we haven't had for many, many years. Joe, you and I roughly there at Finch Farm. We're short. And uh, Elliot, yeah. the questions seem to be... Uh, and James, James Garn was there, was it? The end for us? You brought James there. <laughs> Sean and James. That's big terms. A lot of the questions were about Never been a better time to play uh, Liverpool. And the manager, Guy Sean, he played a straight back to them as you would expect to do. I don't, it's, it's, it seems a bit rich, doesn't it? What I'll be beating league leaders, but yeah. uh, uh, saying that never been a better time. You don't expect him really to, to bite on that one. Well, let's be perfectly honest. Sean Dyche today, to the reporters, has played 
probably exactly the same game that each one of us has been doing for the past week whenever we've been speaking to Reds, isn't it? You know, how many conversations has uh, me and you had individually or together? I'm sure Gareth's had, I'm sure probably loads of people listening to this have where, you know, that Liverpool support mates started to cry in early. Oh, well, we're tired of us with injuries and poor four. We're so hard done by. Are you going to come here and turn us over? I can't watch. <laughs> it's, it's actually, yeah, it's an absolute shambles from them, isn't it? Let's, let's be honest. Like, I mean, I know they're having a disappointing season, but there is there is a context to their disappointment, which is different to the context of Everton's current struggles. And there's a reason why, I mean, yeah, there's a reason why Everton are, was a really reason why Liverpool are heavy favourites with a lot of the bookmakers going into this game. You know, now obviously we hope there's a lot of encouragement to take from Sean Dyche's first performance, you know, or Everton's first performance underneath him. There's a lot of positives to take. I definitely think there's an argument to say that Everton go into this game as the team with the more confidence. They're probably psychologically in a better position going into this game. This is obviously still going to Anfield. It's still going to a team that, you know, is playing Champions League football and uh, you know played every single game it could possibly play in last season and, and came a couple of goals away from winning absolutely yeah from the perfect season so you know obviously yeah they didn't uh you know, they, you know and, and, and I don't think there'll be too many cheers from anybody listening to this the fact that things have gone off the rails from a bit this season but you know Sean Dice that age, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, you know, it's the weakest Liverpool I've seen in ages. You know, I can't wait to go with them. We're going to crash and Just like we're all probably going to everybody that we're speaking and saying, you know, come on, like, you know, don't start crying just yet. But obviously, despite saying all that, this is a Liverpool side that's clearly vulnerable. And we probably do have a little bit more confidence going to it. You know, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. There's... Yeah, there's there's probably a bit more home. There's certainly more home going into this fixture than there was last year. You know, when end of April and the Lampard, we I think Wolves and Burnley had just been Wolves in the earlier kickoff on the Sunday, which meant that that was a Sunday that Everton fell into the relegation zone. You know, and I think everybody started that ninety minutes, and although Everton made a really good fist of it in the end, remember, you know, they said like, yeah, it was nil nil after half time. Michael Keane came on, he came in right at the death because. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but some in training, the like Ben Godfrey. So it was a last minute call out. But Everton did well for the first 60 minutes of that game. And he called him, probably should have had a penalty. Uh, if, if you remember that, I remember asking Frank Lampard the question, but he ended up getting fined 30 grand for right. over that. Um, but yeah, so Everton probably go into this, yeah, we a lot more reason to be confident and enthusiastic, but they perhaps have that over recent years. But still going to be a tall order. You know, they're still the underdogs here. Uh, it will still be. You know, I'm sitting here thinking if they come up, come away with a point, then then that will be a really positive result. Come away from four points from these first three games with Sean Dyche, and that that really would be an excellent return. Gav, I suspect you know where I'm going. A similar question for you, but just bear with me for for a moment here. We don't we don't make a habit of listing through Liverpool's list of honours on the, on the Royal Blue podcast. But what yeah. I will say is, this is a football club, Liverpool. And over the past 60 years have not finished lower than eighth in the table, I, I believe. And over, over that time, every other club apart from Arsenal and Everton have been relegated. Everton have obviously had two last day escapes. They had Crystal Palace in the last home game last season. And over that 60 years when Liverpool haven't finished below eighth, I think they've won 14 league championships. Uh, was it... Um, 
eight FA Cups, nine League Cups, six European Cups, three UEFA Cups and a World Club Cup on the pitch. This is a fan base which hasn't suffered on the pitch. And yet, have you heard your red um, friends crying in this week? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And you haven't got any of that friends, I don't know people say I haven't got any friends. And yeah, I think yeah, I think well I think the more I don't really want to talk about Liverpool, but I think the more balanced Liverpool fans will just say people are moaning about their situation need to get a grip because of their recent success. And but I do I do think for all that they are they are vulnerable and I was I was reminded that it's Liverpool's leading Premier League goal scorer since Christmas, the Leicester, the Leicester defender. <laughs> Sideshow Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they are bottom of the table, aren't they? In form since Christmas, aren't they? Something like that. There's always something and, you in yourself, Gav. Yeah, so you know, for all that for all that, yeah. they are they are struggling and strange enough that the two teams are are One's going up, I think. Hopefully, one's collapsing every every week, so we can look up, look forward to it. Confidence. That said, they're still a good team. You know, we still, you know, we're looking at, yeah, we're looking and saying, well, we'll be playing Leeds tomorrow, or you know, someone like that. West Ham again, you know, that'd be a tough game for us. Liverpool are better than them two teams on paper. So, therefore, it's going to be a very, very tough game and it's at their place and they've got something to prove, probably, because you can get loads of stick. So, as much as we're delighting in their poor form, they're still, on the day, a very, very good team. But, the other side of the coin is, but nowhere near as good as what they were last year or the, or the season before. And so, it's, it's it's a lot more of close contest than the one Joe was talking about earlier on in the in the year when we quit, quit ourselves well. Just, just ones and now. In terms of the, is we left, we felt these games for two, three hits for base, didn't we? But the win against Arsenal has sort of taken the Liverpool game out of three, three hits, actually, hasn't it? Where all of a sudden, our expectations are a lot more. So we come from, it's a free hit, just avoid heavy defeat. So now we're saying, about, oh, what if we don't win on Monday, be really disappointing. So, I mean, we've got to be careful that we're not overconfidence as well. And I still, I think we would still psychologically treat it as if it's still a free hit for us. And, um, but it's, it's a winnable, winnable game now, isn't it? I was, I was reminded of the, I don't want to get into some prediction sanity, but you can see where this is going. Joe Rose's first two matches were in his Everett manager. He beat a London club 1 0 and won a derby. Oh, they get to main Jebbins last win at Chelsea, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So I wonder if both Liz Shaw Dyson's first two games would be the same. But yeah, but don't underestimate Liverpool and don't underestimate Klopp. Yeah. And we know how to win derby matches, we don't. So, you know, we just have to temper our expectations a little bit, I think, from one day. But still, but the message being if we play like we did against Arsenal, we'll have a good chance if we apply ourselves well. We'll go on then. We'll, we'll, we'll go to the predictions now. Um, we'll start with um, you, Joe. What's it going to be? I'm going to go with 1-1. I think my, my, my 
fear is, and I think this is forever and in general, is what happens when they go behind in games because, you know, well documented, we've already talked about the lack of firepower that they have, although it would be interesting to see what that's now like under Deitch and, you know, their resilience in that respect. You know, I think if Everton are going to do well in this, you look at the last two wins at Anfield, got early early goals. You know, I think, was it Richardson in the third minute? Very early, yeah. Um, Campbell in the fourth yeah. minute. I think, I think it was that. If you look at Liverpool at the minute, they're really, really struggling with other start start games. You know, they conceded a lot. You know, we saw Wolves last weekend. You know, they conceded two goals in the first 20 minutes and that. And they've done some in, in other matches since Christmas as well. So I I think Deitch will look at that and I think he'll try and have an asser- a search of aggressive start. You know, obviously play on the vulnerabilities of Liverpool. If he can get out of them early doors, put them under pressure, might be an opening for Everton. So I think if Everton can get the first goal, I don't think they lose this match. Whether they then go on to win it, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I reckon I'm going to go for one each. I do. Yeah. Okay. Gav? I'm going to go for Neville win one now. Wow. Hey, yeah, yeah. That's an easy thing to do. Is that the easiest thing you can get on a podcast and predict Neville win when really you're just doing it for, you know, optimism. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, seriously, why not? Well, I mean, well, yeah, I know. yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely no reason. So I don't really sound cheerless. I don't really count that derby win two years ago, whatever it was. Is it derby win? It lost it counts in the record books, but it doesn't count. I I see see COVID football is a bit like wartime football, you know, with the results, but they're not really proper football, you know. And um, so I, I still think our last win, the Campbell game, is our last. She went at Anfield. And Dice, I know I know it's COVID game, but Dice won at Anfield himself, hasn't he? Uh the COVID game it was in Yeah. So I think I'm gonna go with one nil. I just got a just got a good feeling about this. And this will be so evident, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, ask the Liverpool to uh, write those two games off and we end up with like four or six points on them. But yeah, a winnable game, one nil for us, definitely. Because tell you what, we we score first with their confidence, and you know their crowd might start getting on their back a little bit. By the way, and I think they should be on to that. Yeah, I don't want to say anything. I think I've said that. Um, I I'll go for one one. Same as Joe, but you know, we pretend that it pretend I said that before Gav finished us on a high. So yeah, we're we've got problems with that being optimistic on the podcast. Chris, something's yeah. gone. Something's gone seriously wrong. Yeah, he's a bit of a dice ball. He, he's, he's, he's all over it. Um, yeah. yeah. Whatever happens, you know, win, lose, or draw, we, we'll be back next week to assess it all. Um, so this has been the, the Royal Blue Podcast. I've been your host, Chris Bees. I've been joined by Joel Thomas and Gavin Buckland. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.